Welcome to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we discover our personal definition of wealth through conversations with talented and successful women who are living their version of a wealthy and meaningful life. Teresa Leftenant is owner of Reinventing Her Money, a boutique financial planning and wealth management company located on Seattle's east side. Teresa is a licensed financial advisor and certified financial planner professional. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA, SIPC. CFP and Certified Financial Planner, the Certified Financial Board of Standards Incorporated, owns these certification marks in the U.S., which it awards to individuals who successfully complete CFP Board's initial and ongoing certification requirements. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for an individual. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified professional. Our guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial, Teresa Leftenant, or Reinventing Her Money. Hello, welcome to episode 23 of A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we explore how women create a meaningful and abundant life on her terms. As a certified financial planner, wealth advisor, author, and speaker with over 30 years experience, professional women and their partners hire me to gain the right knowledge and confidence to overcome financial challenges faced by women as they pursue a wealthy life. And what is my definition of a wealthy life? Well, true wealth is found when we're pursuing our passions, exploring who we are, expressing our inner talents and living our personal dreams. And being committed to, a fin to financial fitness is also a huge part of living a wealthy life. Now, my expert guests and I, we are going to explore seven elements of living a wealthy life, which include our finances, physical health and wellness, professional and career, mental and emotional wellness, recreation and fun, relationships and contribution and legacy. And you'll be hearing a bit about my philosophy on the inner power qualities that women can develop to expand their lives, in, as well as ideas of how to overcome unique financial challenges that threaten women's long-term financial health. So this episode is part of our mental and spiritual wellness series. And today I'm so honored to have three super successful professional women who make managing all the details of working and parenting during a pandemic look really easy. You know, you've heard it before, but we are living in unprecedented times. And no matter what area of life you might be working on right now, navigating all the challenges caused by the changes from the pandemic is what everyone is working through right now. But before I introduce them, I'm going to share from a recent blog post that's on my website, 10 tips for teaching kids about money. Since it's back to school time, it's a good time to review your plans around teaching your children the important steps about successful money management and personal finance. You know, unfortunately, schools often avoid teaching about money. So that leaves it in the capable hands of you, the parents. So I'm gonna talk only about three of the 10 tips that I share on my blog, and you can read the whole article when you have a moment. It's at reinventinghermoney.com forward slash blog. So these three tips are kind of beyond the obvious advice that we tell kids, like work for money by doing jobs instead of receiving an allowance, 
Make sure you give them a piggy bank and a savings account so they can learn to save early. And also talk to your kids about the household budget when it's appropriate so that they can begin to learn how much it actually costs to live the lifestyle that they're experiencing. So here we go. Tip number one, teach delayed gratification. I know this one can be hard, especially if you were raised in a family where you were deprived of extras, such as PlayStations and iPads. It's natural to want to give our kids the newest fun thing, but helping kids learn to choose what they want and then figure out how to pay for it themselves will help kids learn that patience is important instead of giving in to instant gratification. So look at it from another way. Anticipation can be half the fun. It's sort of the same as waiting for the arrival of Santa or the excitement that precedes going to an amusement park or an upcoming family trip. That's really the most fun. So if, if your kid wants to buy a pricey item, you know, get to work and help them save for it. You can lend support by teaching them various methods of savings, the piggy bank, and also different savings categories, like one for savings for something in the future, long time in the future, one for giving to a special cause that they're interested in, one for spending on something that they want right away, and one for learning about investing. Okay, tip number two, teach by example. So I remember a time I paid for my gas at the gas station. I got back into my car and as I was driving away, my daughter said, mom, did you steal that gas? Well, she understood the concept that you can't take something without paying, but she didn't yet understand the concept of paying with plastic money. <laughs> so I explained how I paid without going into the store and I discussed the concept of a credit card emphasizing that purchases with a credit card always get paid for in full at the end of the month with my checking account. And then of course we have plastic debit cards too. But today we want to impart the benefits and the dangers of using plastic credit and debit cards to our kids. So when I grew up, credit cards were just going mainstream. And although my parents, they had credit cards, but they taught me that paying off debt was my top priority. So learning about good debt versus bad debt at an early age can help your kids learn to make really good choices later. Here's another tip. Use lists when shopping. See, your children will see that sticking to a list helps avoid impulse buys. And as kids grow older and discussions get more age appropriate, then you can explain why you want to avoid impulse purchases and resist the draw of using those credit cards to purchase discretionary items. Okay, tip number three, let them make their own mistakes. There was a graduate student at the University of Arizona who was doing research around teaching kids early concepts about money. And this is what she said, quote, let your children make mistakes so you can help them learn from them and help them develop habits before they're on their own, when the consequences are a lot bigger and they're dealing with larger amounts of money. So not surprisingly, her research shows that those who had practical experience with money while they were young learned how to work hard, make better money choices, 
and spend it more wisely as an adult. And that may be the most important desired outcome of making teaching kids about money a priority. So we all know as adults, we're responsible for helping young people learn how to be happy and how to handle money responsibly. So even if you weren't taught helpful lessons about money as a child, you can still make a difference to your children right now. And if you need help and or want to bounce some ideas off someone like me, a caring expert, then just give me a call. At Reinventing Her Money, we're dedicated to empowering women to achieve their deepest desires and live a financially independent life through earning, saving, spending, and investing. So I look forward to helping you take steps in that direction as you pursue your version of a wealthy life. Oh, and also make sure you check out my free training, Seven Financial Habits to Survive COVID-19. You know, no matter where you are on your financial journey, you're gonna benefit from listening to the training. So go to my website and we'll deliver it right to your email. Okay, let's bring on our guests. So first we have Michelle Kaplan. She's been on the show before. She's a human resources professional with a passion for poetry as a method of self-discovery. And then we have Kim French, also a former guest on the show. She's a corporate superstar who now mentors women to become rock star leaders in their chosen profession. And we have a new guest, Rachel Young. She's a former television journalist who's now an executive consultant for Rodan and Fields. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for having me. So you are all accomplished in your work and as mothers. Today, we're going to talk about how you're managing your work life and being a parent during unprecedented times. I mean, a pandemic. If you're like me, I never thought I'd live during a pandemic, but here we are. Now, I was a working mom when my children were growing up, and part of the time, I was also a single mom. So even though I had some real challenges and I had to work my way through them, I don't know how you all do it nowadays. So I'm really excited to have you share with us some of the great things you've learned. So let's start out by each one of you just sharing a little bit about yourself, and then Michelle's going to read us uh, a really cool poem. So Michelle, why don't you start, introduce yourself. I'm Michelle Kaplan. I'm a leadership coach, poet, and author, and I'm based in New Jersey. And uh, my most important role is being a single mom to my 13-year-old daughter, Mia. Thank you, darling. How about you, Kim? Yeah, I um, was in corporate for 15 years, and I left when my daughter was six. And chose a home-based business because I really felt important for me to raise her as she got into those difficult years of asking lots of different questions. So she's a sixth grader now, and I'm really glad that I chose that path. Best time of life, sixth grade. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> All right, Rachel. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Young. I am a two-time Emmy Award-winning journalist um, based in the Seattle area. I live there with my husband and my two young children who are ages 10 and 7. And last year, I decided to do very similarly to what Kimberly just mentioned that she did. Um, I left that career to home-based as well. Um, I've been an executive consultant with Rodan and Fields coming up on five years this year. And one of the reasons I did decide to do that 
was because the news cycle, as important as it is, it's also 24-7. And so I realized that having a home-based business allowed me to have some flexibility and also take care of myself, which, you know, I love the news business, but I had to do something else and able to um, be there mentally, emotionally, and physically for my family. Priorities, right? And we learn what's really important to us as things evolve in our lives. So um, I really respect all of you so much. So, Michelle, you are an author of two poetry books, and you have a new one coming out uh, very soon. And so we thought it'd be fun if you read a poem from the, from that book that parents who are listening, moms, can really relate to. So ready to do that now? Sure. sure. I wrote this poem about two and a half months into, um, you know, all this kind of quarantining and, you know, homeschooling and just the whole juggling. Um, and it's called, Are We There Yet? Kids are tired of playing by themselves, FaceTiming their friends, hearing from us to go outside because it's nice out, while being told to be careful because it's not a good time to get hurt. Kids are tired of being reprimanded for too much screen time, while in the same breath, instructed to go to school on their laptops. Kids are tired of our teaching methods, our cooking, virtual family get-togethers, drive-by birthday and graduation parties that feel more like a tease than celebratory. Kids are tired of binge-watching Stranger Things on Netflix, watching us work and feeling distant from each other as we inhabit the same space. Kids are tired of a thousand-piece puzzles, arts and crafts projects, baking, cleaning their rooms, sidewalk chalk, and walking around the block again. Kids are tired of pretending that this is some type of cool extended sleepover when it really feels like a never ending road trip with our children asking, are we there yet? And we're not even sure where we're going. So with all the conjoling, indulging, lecturing and overcompensating, we also need to give them some slack even when it isn't being reciprocated. They are, after all, just kids in an unfun world. Oh, I love that so much. Kids are tired. And, you know, how are your kids, like, expressing that? I think for myself, for my 13-year-old, I think she's definitely gotten quieter. I mean, I think they're just kind of used to just being by themselves. And it's right. kind of strange that so when she does go out, I kind of really see the difference. Uh -huh. I see the difference when she comes back and she's excited and she has something to talk about um, and that type of thing. So th the contrast is even becoming greater as time goes by. How about you, Kim? How's your daughter expressing that being tired? You know, I think the things that used to get her excited don't anymore because like in your poem, Michelle, you know, you can only do a puzzle so many times or games so many times. And so for her, I think it's when she gets out and goes to scouts, she just did a scouting event last night and went fishing with her scout troop. And that was exciting to her. I mean, they, they do the full social dis or you're masking up and everything, but she came home so excited. And it's just, you know, really um, evident to me how much we need other people. Absolutely. You know, and as I always say, one door closes, other ones open. So, you know, there's always something new that is potential for them. How about you, Rachel? How are your kids expressing this? 
Well, I think my my kids, whether they know it or not, are missing the structure that we used yeah. to have. Um, and that really helped us all adjust initially. But we also got tired of it. So in July, we decided to pack up the whole family and we drove from the Seattle area to the D metro Detroit area to properly social distance ourselves and to see family. So we're completely, um, you know, just out of our schedule or routine. We've been, you know, staying and visiting family and just trying to get some sense of what what to do next in this unprecedented and, and difficult time. I can sure relate to that. And I've heard about other families who are who have done big changes like that. So we're going to take a little break now. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about how this time and being a parent is shaping these lovely ladies. So stay with us. We're going to have a lot more interesting conversation about parenting in just a moment. Michelle Kaplan, leadership coach, poet, and author, is pleased to announce the September 8th release of her new book, Burst and Flourish. With humility and vulnerability, Michelle again makes a trail by sharing her stories, insights, confessions, and musings of how life changes when you change, encouraging us to step forth on our own life path. Michelle's first book, and A Love Story Within was recognized as Amazon's number one hot new release for inspirational poetry. Pre-order Burst and Flourish now, available on Amazon. I believe that every woman is born to live her own personal dreams of a wealthy life. And I call the process of getting the dream out of your mind and into your reality, reinvention. I'm inviting you, the everyday woman, to make a decision to pursue your dreams. That's what I did. I uncovered the dreams that I was born to pursue and learned how to create those dreams with commitment and passion. I'll help you get your money in shape for your dream quest, join my mailing list at reinventinghermoney.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Dr. Sanjay Gupta brings you health tips for a better life Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., 8 a.m., and 5 p.m. right here on KKNW. And welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Lieutenant, where I'm interviewing. Uh, it's so much fun for me to have three people on the show today. Michelle Kaplan, Kim French, and Rachel Young, all incredibly successful professional women who are also mothers. And we're talking about the changes that they're having to work through during this pandemic. And, you know, it is a cliche, ladies, but being a parent is the hardest job we really get to have, right? But no matter how great your our own parents were, being a mom is like a personal journey. We never really know how it's gonna go. We have to learn as we go. We have to learn how to expand our capacity to handle whatever comes up for us. And so I'm just, you know, wanna start out by asking you uh, a contemplative question. How is being a parent shaping you as, uh, as a person, as a woman? Why don't we start with you, Rachel? Um, you know, I, I have figured out that I have to be a lot more um, gracious 
Um, you know, I think I have, um, I, I've just realized how hard parenting is, um, just not just with COVID, but just recently having uh, left my, my career that I worked really hard for, but I also loved. Um, and there was a loss of identity there. There was a bit of a loss of identity, I felt like, but um, I don't regret it. Um, my kids, I think, hopefully see a, a better version of me because I'm a lot more present for them. But it's also a balancing act. So how is it shaping who I am? I think every day I'm trying to work on being the best version of me because every day is a new start. And um, it's, it's never too late to start over and to do it over and do a better job than maybe the day before. I love that. Every day is a new start. What about you, Kim? How's it shaping you? You know, very similar to Rachel. I think for me, waking up and having to be on my game in days that I don't necessarily feel like it because I want to show up for her. Right. Um, as, as well as my business, of course, but she's right there in front of me. I can, you know, see into her eyes and see what she needs. And um, that makes me want to be my best self every day. Absolutely. But it's not easy. <laughs> no, but I mean, isn't it great when you actually do overcome your own desire to uh, fill your own need and then you, you know, give to the, your little one there and you just, it's just so, it's the most um, wonderful experience to have inside, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How about you, Michelle? How's parenting shaping you? The most uh, impactful thing um, when I when I think of the question is um, looking at things from other perspectives. I mean, I've always been good to kind of put myself in someone else's shoes, but I've really expanded and broadened my horizon with um, really, you know, you're involved with so many different types of people now with your your children, your children's friends and their families and, and then interacting with all these different, like either the school system or other organizations that for extracurricular activities. And um, so you're just involved with so much and to really see things from other people's perspectives, because not only are you um, reacting to it, but it's also for your child as well. So it's not really just about you anymore. For sure. You got to get the, your relationship skills in shape, don't you? <laughs> with all the people that you have to interact with. I, I love that. So, so Kim, what is your particular superpower that you are finding that you're using more as you try to manage, you know, through this pandemic and responsibilities for your, for parenting? You know, people have always told me I'm a good listener, and I think that's probably the superpower that shows up for me with her. Um, I'm deficient in other things, obviously, but that one helps me to like to gauge where she's at, what she needs, and if she needs to have more structured time and helping her find that. Um, or if she needs cuddle time, that's the big thing I'm finding with my daughter. When all these kind of times when it's uncertain, we find ourselves on the couch a lot cuddling and she really soaks that up. And that's something I'm able to give to her because I'm listening for it. Right, and reassuring her that everything's okay even if it is different. Yep, absolutely. What about you, Michelle? What's your superpower? A superpower, I love yeah. that. Um, I think what I would say for me being, especially being a single mom is prioritizing. I mean, mm -hmm. I get a lot of things done in a week, um, as all moms do, but what really helps me a lot is being able to look at the week ahead and prioritizing what has to get done this week because nobody gets everything done 
on their to-do list. Um, and so for me, it really keeps it concentrated on what has to get done and whatever, because everyone will say like, wow, you get a lot done, Michelle. Like, I don't know how you do it all. And it's like, yeah, but you're not seeing what I'm not getting done. <laughs> That's for another time. So, you know, so I think that really keeps like me sane. Well, I have that, uh, shall we call sickness too, is that I'm a, I'm a to-do list person. And so I'm always focusing on what I ha need to do rather than what I have done. So what about you, Rachel? I'm dying to know what your superpower is. Oh, oh there she is. Um, I would definitely say self-care and grace. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I've, I've been very stringent about that a self-care routine obviously taking good care of myself and um, if I can't do that I can't take care of my kids so um, if that's prayer in the morning exercise and eating well um, then I can actually do that a little bit better and be a bit better and then I think also being care of my children's languages you know my children are people um, even though they're very close in age so my son loves and me I know that and I can tell a different child when I've taken the time to to invest in what's interesting to him and then my daughter is a um, she's an acts of service kind of girl she loves to help oh. so um, I know being aware of what she likes to do and having her involved um, has definitely helped me uh, be more aware of how to parent them individually that's so true because our kids will tell us what they need, right? <laughs> Absolutely. In, in, in ways that we don't, you know, they may not verbalize, but I can tell a different child when I have spent quality time with my son. When right. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was um, raising my children, they're all grown now, but, you know, I, I was both married and single. And so I know I depended on a lot of people to help me, um, not only, you know, tutors and after school caregivers, but different family members. So, you know, you guys, I'm sure you have support. So is the support you're asking for and receiving different now? during the pandemic than it was before? And Michelle, why don't you start out with that, answering that? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's actually receiving the support and giving the support to other family members because, you know, you do have this circle of moms that really do help each other. The biggest thing I've noticed is that, um, you know, you, you can't really call on, you know, family members, especially like parents, because you're concerned that they might, you know, be susceptible or, you know, being exposed to the virus. Um, and the thing that I regret the most, as well as I feel it myself, is that I can't just like, you know, it's not a snow day where you can invite, you know, hey, just bring, drop your kid off here and go to work or something. It's really hard because you're like, I really would love to help you. But, I, you know, it's this uncertainty. You're like, I don't even know. Do you even want your kids here? You know, or, you know, should I drop my kid off there? So I think just, you know, and, and daycare is closing and things. So it, it just really has been a huge um, void, especially I feel for the folks working remote or, you know, having to go in. Right. And so if you're trying to help out some of your ch child's parents, uh, friend's parents, then you want to make it even, right? Like you don't want to rely too much on them and you don't want them to rely too much on you. And so negotiating that whole thing, I bet that's a bit of a challenge. 
Yeah, I mean, there's negotiation, but it's almost like you you don't know even know what to do. I mean, should you have someone yeah. over? You know, especially in the beginning, I think it has depending on where you're living. I mean, you know, I'm in New Jersey, so you know, the the beginning it was complete lockdown, and nobody. I mean, you know, kind of um, was really hard. I would say the first three months, we I except for the food store, you now go food shopping. I I didn't go out. Yeah. Um, right hard um i i mean my daughter's 13 and i really can't even imagine having a younger child oh i mean there's one day in particular where um she's homeschooling and trying to log on to the laptop i'm on like a conference call for work you know i mean it was just like comical i mean someone's ringing the doorbell i'm like who is that it was just like something out of like like a commercial where i was like oh my god i like my life is so crazy right now yeah i I, I really i really uh, can't imagine what that's like uh, because my life's crazy and i don't have any children in the house So what about you, Rachel? What, what kind of um, changes are you having in terms of support for parenting? So, so my husband and I sort of mastered, I, well, maybe not mastered, but time blocking. So in the morning, it was it was assumed that I would take the morning shift, so to speak, with the kids and making sure that they were on their Zoom calls. And then I would follow up with like the reading lessons. And then in the afternoon, then switch so he would do all his you know stuff in the morning and then my and then we would switch and he would do um you know children and house stuff um in the more in the evening and then i would do my business so we we had to time block and we and then you know there's just no other way to do it i mean we just really couldn't do it and and thankfully both of us had flexible schedules that we could do that we would always check with each other like what's your meeting what's your schedule calls of 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 zoom meetings tomorrow and and that sort of thing and the other thing that we're looking into well we've i've already discussed with two other parents in our school district is doing a parent pod for this fall um, and it obviously will depend on who our children are assigned to as far as teachers, but um, two children in my son's grade, uh, their, their parents have reached out to me and said, what do you think about doing, you know, on Mondays, you're at our house, you're, well, your son is at our house learning on Zoom with the kid, with these two kids, and, and you have to make a pact, like, look, we're not going to be going out, we're not doing all this stuff. I just got tested for COVID today, um, just out of, you know, just out of, an abundance of caution and um you know we've we've really eliminated the risk in my opinion but you also have to trust that that family's going to do the same thing so we'll see um if it doesn't work then we're just on our own again um until whenever yeah i really want to talk about um you know the schooling choices you're making a little in a little bit later but because it's just, I mean, it's just the whole conversation in the country right now, and it seems like it's different everywhere. But Kim, so what uh, what kind of support are you and your husband, you know, juggling? Yeah, of course, we were juggling. He works full-time from the house here, too. And Isabella had tutors throughout the summer, so we did, were able to do virtual tutors over the summer. So once a day, she was getting some reading instruction. Um, but also, you know, just as far as support, mentally and emotionally you know we're plugged in with you know community and i had just started a walking group about the time that everything shut down in march and we're able to continue our goal of doing a half marathon as so we walk saturdays and social distance while we were walking and that group of four women really helped me stay sane every saturday i got for look forward to that 
Um, and we're now doing another challenge. We're doing 100 miles in two months, and we're continuing to walk on Saturdays, social distancing out in the open. But that was the support I think I didn't know I needed, but I was so grateful that it was there for me to go through this process because I don't think it would have been quite as successful or I had to have find a different support for that. And then we've been playing, you know, online games with family all over the country, you know, getting on and doing ticket to ride and we can all play the same game. Um, and we do zoom where we got, you know, people from South Dakota, Atlanta, we could see aunts and uncles and yeah. So it's been that kind of support for my daughter to connect with her family where we wouldn't have done that before either. So it's opened up some new doors that, um, were nice that they were there. Well, uh, this is why I wanted to have a panel on is because I knew that there would be all sorts of uh, new ideas that listeners could hear and maybe take in for themselves. But we are at our second break time. So hang hang with me, ladies and uh, listeners. We'll be right back and we'll be talking more about how these lovely ladies are managing work and parenting. We'll be right back. Michelle Kaplan, leadership coach, poet, and author, is pleased to announce the September 8th release of her new book, Burst and Flourish. With humility and vulnerability, Michelle again makes a trail by sharing her stories, insights, confessions, and musings of how life changes when you change, encouraging us to step forth on our own life path. Michelle's first book, and A Love Story Within was recognized as Amazon's number one hot new release for inspirational poetry. Pre-order Burst and Flourish now, available on Amazon. Navigating a path to increase your income is a critical part of women's pursuit of her own financial independence. Having a personalized financial plan gives a woman confidence that she knows where she is going and how to get there. We've all heard the saying, life is what happens when you are planning something else. Navigating life's changes is all a part of pursuing a wealthy life. Visit ReinventingHerMoney.com and click on Schedule to set up a time to chat. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, welcome back everyone to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant and my guests, Michelle Kaplan, Kim French, and Rachel Young. Wonderful uh, business women who have incredible kids and families and they're just navigating this pandemic in such a great way. So, you know, what we talk about on this show, ladies, is, you know, the more knowledge you have, the more empowered you can feel. And I imagine that when the pandemic started, there was uh, some questions that you had that you wanted to make sure were answered so that you could feel like your family was safe. So I, I know, um, I don't know if you can bring any of those to mind right now, but I thought it might be kind of interesting to, to talk about what are the most important things for you to keeping your child, your family safe during this time? Let's start with you, Kim. You know, I think living in Oregon, 
we've been surrounded by a community that's been very conscious and of helping each other, you know, through social distancing, um, even when we're out in public. So, and wearing, and wearing masks, very respectful. And so I've always felt comfortable going outside for walks and getting my daughter out in the sunshine during the day has been um, really important. Since similar to my walks with the women on Saturday, getting her out with her bike, um, continuing her to, the first trip to the store for her with the mask was very anxiety filled. And so, but getting her out and, and letting her know that it's, it's okay to be scared, but we're protected with our masks and we're protected by keeping distance even when we're there. Um, so it's just those little things of sunshine and keeping her active that I think is what's been very useful for us. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. How about you, Rachel? How are you keeping your family safe? Well, you know, it was a it was a difficult decision. We didn't know how we were going to do a cross-country trip and, and do it safely. Um, but, you know, it was a sacrifice. We drove for three days. It took us three days to get to Michigan, and we were just adamant that this was the best thing for us to do. Um, we, you know, we only we only stopped um, for gas and to overnight, you know, in a hotel um, and made sure that they had a 48 hour rule. We brought our own disinfecting, you know, um, products with us. And once we got to Michigan, you know, we did see a, a little bit of a difference on how um, certain communities uh, treated the virus, but you know, everything, everyone is wearing masks. Our children are, you know, they don't fight it. They make sure to have it. Um, and then, we do, um, at least for me, with my friends around the country, we do a weekly meeting on Zoom just to check in with each other. Sometimes those are just 30 minute calls. Um, every Sunday night we do them, no matter what time zone we're in. And sometimes they last for two hours. I mean, it's it just depends. And that has really been wonderful to know that, you know, I'm just checking in, how can I support you virtually? Because it's all, it's different for everybody, but, um, you know, I think the more that you get in touch with the people that are important to you, then the less um, isolated it feels. And then the children see it too. Thank goodness for Zoom, right, ladies? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Michelle, how are, you, how are you doing with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, regarding safety, I mean, a lot was already covered. And, you know, for me, it was really about staying in. Um, yeah. my daughter and I, um, so I'm a breast cancer survivor and, um, you know, I'm immune compromised. And so I really, I think the thing I miss the most, um, are the hugs. I don't, we don't, there's no physical touch. Right. Um, and so I really just, you know, keep my daughter safe. It was like, let's like just stay in and let's just see what happens. Um, you know, it just changes every day. So you know, it was really hard. And, you know, when this happened in March, it was kind of, you know, cool out, you know, you know, and it was, you know, you're inside. I think it, it's been harder with the summer, just trying to find very specific, well-run, organized programs um, that she could kind of partake in um, and kind of drop her off. Um, but really, it was just kind of just laying low, isolating and, um, yeah, no touch no family vacation this year, that type of thing. So summer is unfortunately almost over and it is back to school time. So Michelle, what's that gonna look like for you and Mia? Um, we had a choice in my town of two days a week, um, what they were calling a hybrid or uh, all virtual. Um, I chose all virtual, um, you know, and really more a logistics than a safety issue. 
Um, you know, I mean, gosh, you know, every family's got to figure it out with the uh, work schedules and things like that. So I really chose, and, and now it's still in flux. I mean, back here in uh, New Jersey, we don't start till after Labor Day. So, you know, it, I know a lot of schools are starting this week um, and we're just kind of waiting. I, I just have a sense that they're going to say we're going to be 100% virtual, like to say the first marking period. But right yeah. now, as it stands, it's two days a week and uh, or that you had a choice. So that's what right. I chose. So, Rachel, you said you you and some of the other parents uh, are going to have a, an education pod. How, how's that going to work? As I mentioned, I was approached by uh, another parent who um, had the idea. I loved the idea, but I mean, I'm really cautious about that because I everyone has to be on the same page about how much social distancing you're doing to make sure like, and do I trust that? You know, and this one particular mother, I absolutely do. So I know that when she says we are not going anywhere, I trust her with that. Um, and I think the way she had laid it out was, you know, Monday, Tuesday, um, your son Tyson can come over and learn, you know, together with my son. And then we'll, we'll do the homework assignments together or whatever. And then we would work out another day where her son could come over. Now, again, that's provided that they're both in the same classroom. If they're not the same classroom, then that's gonna be a little bit of a problem. But I know a number of families that are doing that. Um, and you know, we are going 100% virtual. My husband and I decided no matter what the school said, we were gonna be 100% virtual for a while. Um, and so, and it just worked out because of our flexible schedules. My husband and I can both work remotely. So. Um, it just works for our family rather than waiting for, you know, a, a hybrid to come back and all this. And some days you're in class and sometimes you're not. It's just consistency, like you had mentioned, uh, Michelle. That's why we chose the 100% virtual as well. Right. I understand. And, and what did you decide, Kim? So we had an option, too, of hybrid or 100% uh, virtual. And the hybrid is a little different. They are not going in person now until, like, November. but So they're doing Zoom calls and stuff with their teacher in their groups and stuff. But be even before that, we chose to do the 100% virtual. Um, you know, my daughter has some learning challenges. And I just think for us to help her monitor it, and I heard really good things about the online program that they're using, that um, wanting to let her go at her speed and not have to try to like um, be, be stressed out keeping up with her peers when she's not in the environment and nobody's there to help her there. Um, we chose the virtual, 100% um, virtual for that reason. Well, it sounds to me like all of you are gonna have to do some time blocking now to uh, make sure your your children are you know actively learning and it's a huge responsibility at the same time you're all working from home. So um, I wanna get in one other question. It seems like this time goes so fast and I want Michelle to read one more poem, but uh, I'd like to know what your top priority is for teaching your children or child about money. So I'll just let you go first, Rachel. What do you what do you want to teach your child about money, your children? You know, my husband and I have lived all over the country. We've lived in the Midwest. Um, I, I know you would also consider maybe Oklahoma the South, and now we live in the Pacific Northwest. And one thing that we've realized about living in Seattle is, and through COVID, is do we need to live in somewhere so expensive? So expensive. Um, how do we give our children what they need? Um, not just during COVID, but but really 
all the time. And so we've, you know, we're, we're struggling here to find the balance between, you know, a place that has, you know, a lower cost of living and yet has the amenities of the things that we want. So we are in the midst of making that decision because again, we don't have to be tied down anywhere. So we've explored <laughs> the housing market in Las Vegas. We've explored the housing market in Michigan. We've explored, I mean, so we, it's a, it's the beauty of having that freedom, but it's also a little terrifying too. Cause it's like, Change is hard because you don't know what you're choosing really into. I mean, you can really do all the research you possibly can, but until you actually live it, you don't know what it's going to be like. So I really, you know, wish you so much uh, uh, fortune in terms of figuring that out and helping your children understand the differences between costs of living in different parts of the country will be very valuable. So what are you teaching, Michelle? What are you teaching, Mia? Um, I'm really trying to teach her about uh, choosing, you know, I, I, I don't really call it a budget for her. I mean, I just really kind of, because when you say a budget, you, you know, there's always something you have to give up, you know, it's yeah. kind of like lack. Um, so we kind of, we kind of call it kind of like our choose list. And I kind of really include her in kind of like, you know, we do get to choose how we spend our money or how we save our money and things like that. Um, so I focus on what we do receive you know we do get from that um rather than you know in the budget we're kind of cutting um but you know just to keep her and then i i let her choose you know um and be a part of that um so she gets a sense i mean the funniest story was when years ago we were at a resort and she you know you we were talking in the beginning about lead by example and she's watching how um ordering things at an outside grill and charging it to my room so she caught on at age 10 that wow this is a really cool place. You just give like, I'm in room 250 and you get everything you want. And the candy, French fries. I was like, oh, 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 time out, time out. Uh, somebody's got to pay that at the end. Yeah. And so she didn't, you know, so you really had to explain it, but you know, we had her, you know, she had her little magical and that was probably her favorite part of the trip. You know, That's a great example. <laughs> and Kim, what are you teaching your, uh, your daughter about money? You know, my husband loves to teach about money because he's in finance himself. And during the beginning of the pandemic, she lost rights to the iPad because she wasn't listening. And so he said, well, if you want it back, you could pay half of a new one. <laughs> so she waited for two months and she saved up for chore money to pay for half of an iPad. We just got it like a couple weeks ago. But one of the things like in the midst of that, and I was trying to teach her how to provide more value to get more money than just your $5 a week. She took on some more chores because it was summer and we weren't going anywhere. And she was taking on, you know, the dishwasher. And I said, you know, you need to go negotiate with dad because you just took on more responsibility and you deserve a raise. So, you know, you go advocate for yourself right now and, and give him your position because you're going to need this later in life as a woman, especially. So those are those little moments we're taking advantage of right now. And all being in the house is kind of like they're showing up more. So. I love that. You taught her how to negotiate for a raise. <laughs> there are many of us women who are older that are still trying to figure that out. So anyway, I um, would like to have, are you ready to read the last poem before we um, yes. finish, Michelle? And um, then I'll be, I'll uh, say a few more words. Go ahead. Yeah, this poem I, I really chose because, 
you know, the relationship with our kids have changed so much during the past uh, few months. Um, they've grown and changed. Um, and this one is just a reminder and it's called My Child. My child, don't make it your mission in life to seek my approval because you could never displease me. In fact, when who you really are shows up in our day to day, it tastes like a sweet burst of chocolate with a surprise filling in the middle as we only taste the sour when we try to be who we're not. So continue to amaze me around every corner we take instead of conforming to my vision of you. I know at times I don't show you the sentiment when I'm lost in my own not enoughness. And you, just by your mere presence, are always more than that. Teach me who you are, and I promise to do so for you as well. Oh, I love that. Well, I hope um, I'll be promoting your book because uh, this uh, new poetry book is just filled with incredibly insightful poetry. Um, love that how you uh, how you express yourself. And uh, before I close, I'd like to ask all of you to briefly tell us what's your biggest dream for your child's future. I know that's not a a, a small question, but maybe I would love to hear what your biggest dream is. Rachel? Wow, I hope I can get through this one without crying. Um, <laughs> you know, I my dream for my children is that they know that whatever it is that they are trying to achieve in life, they already have the tools to do it. That um, just by being who they are, the unique people that they are, um, that they will find that journey is not going to be easy, but that I'm here to support uh, in the best way I can. And, you know, I've learned a lot from visiting my parents here in Michigan, where they have just sold their home of 30 years. And they have talked to me about the financial planning that they did to ensure that they don't burden me and my sister with whatever's left when they're gone. And it's really taught me a lot about how the legacy I would like to leave for my children. I don't want them to have to go through my home of 30 years. <laughs> I want them to know that I've planned and supported them. So I don't really know if that answers the question. It does. But, it's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, what's your dream for your daughter? I dream that she grows up to be just like herself that she really gets a sense of herself. Um, I just encourage, I just watch a lot and see what she naturally is drawn to um, and encourage her in that. And um, yeah, that would just be amazing to just, you know, allowing her to just be herself because it's pretty amazing, so. Beautiful, thank you, thank you. How about you, Kim? You know, I think, you know, she's had to learn differently with dyslexia and she wants to be a writer and she's doing it she's you know she's already like seeing it within herself that she can do those things so i think for her i've been trying to teach her don't be constrained by the conventional like constraints that everyone says you can or can't do something because of this or that that anything is possible there's unlimited potential in all of us amazing things can happen just if you believe in yourself and i think that's my hope for her is that she believes in herself enough to do that. 
Well, I will say that my dream for this conversation, you guys blew it out of the water. So thank you so much for sharing yourself so openly and so deeply. And I wish you well in the new school year. And uh, I want to thank all of you for listening to the show. Next, next week, our guest is going to be Katie Schwartz, founder of Bee Meditation. So we're going to have a conversation and an experience about the benefits of a regular meditation practice. So thank you for listening. I know there's many shows and podcasts you have to choose from. So if you enjoyed yourself, learned something, share the show with your family and friends. Thank you, Alexis Lieutenant Gregory, who composed our theme music, Eric, my producer. And I also like to thank the support staff at Financial Advocates and everyone at KKNW 1150 AM. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube under Teresa, T-R-E-S-A, Lieutenant, and check out all the resources at reinventinghermoney.com. Remember, ladies, that financial independence is your birthright. With the right education and empowerment and the right financial advice, you can overcome any financial challenge and create a wealthy life on your terms. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. In today's uncertain circumstances, talented women are challenged with common financial problems. You may be wondering, should I continue to contribute to my 401k plan? Should I sell my home? Should I stop paying down debt? There are no shortage of financial experts competing for your attention in the media. But what you read in an article may not be the best advice for your unique circumstances. Don't make costly mistakes by reaching for a quick answer to your questions. Visit ReinventingHerMoney.com, where listening and answering your financial questions is what we do. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRASIPC. Teresa is founder of Reinventing Her Money and author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Available on Amazon. She is a certified financial planner and wealth advisor for professional women who aspire to a wealthy and financially independent life. Learn more at reinventinghermoney.com.